Amen. That's wonderful music. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Matthew in the New Testament. So if you just kind of let your Bible fall open close to the middle and then turn to the right a little bit, you'll find that the first book of the New Testament is Matthew. That's a gospel. Matthew chapter number 6. And um, this being the first Sunday of the year, I thought maybe I would just uh, preach to us a message on uh, goals of great significance. And as I'm sure many of you have thought through some of that, And then uh, next Sunday, we will pick up right where we were in the book of Revelation. We'll be in Revelation chapter 6. And so uh, if you want to read that chapter this coming week, you'll be prepared uh, for the sermon next Sunday. Matthew chapter number 6. Today, I just want to preach to you from verses 33 and 34, but as I begin reading, reading this section this week, I, uh, I just feel like it'd probably be good if we picked up in verse 25 and read down to verse 24, or for verse 34. And uh, for those of you that take notes or highlight in your Bible, you'll want to just take note of the uh, word uh, worried or something similar to that. This passage is about the cure for anxiety. So let me read these verses and then we'll focus on verse 33 and verse 34 today. So the Bible reads this way, For this reason I say to you, and of course Jesus speaking, Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to for what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than them? And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life or height to his stature? And why are you so worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow and they do not toil nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace... Will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And then here's the two verses for today. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, or seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Would you join me for a word of prayer? And as I pray for us, would you just maybe silently pray in your heart and say, God, I need something today. Wherever it is, whatever it is that's on your heart and mind and soul the most, just ask that God would give you a word from the Scripture and that you might live for Him this week. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, we need You. Uh, this, this song that we just sang is... is causes our souls to rise and perks our attention because, Lord, even the person with the most money in here still has problems. Father, I've yet to see see anybody that has enough money to keep themselves from divorce. Lord, there's people that have position and ability and skills and uh, earthly wisdom, and they, they, they are horrible at relationships. And they have fears and anxieties and inhibitions. 
And Lord, when all of us go to sleep at night and we're in the darkness and we come to grips with who we really are and all of the fake and all of the facade that we put on for all of the world around us and yea, even our families and sometimes around the holidays we put the biggest show on. Every person in this room has to say somewhere along the line, we need you. We need something. We're broke. We need fixing. And so Lord, I pray that from Your Word today that You would show us how to seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, that we'd have the confidence that all of these things would be added unto us. And Lord, I pray that this day we would pursue, and this first Sunday of January, Lord, of 2016, that we would decide that this year we should pursue great and lofty goals for Christ. And we'll love you and thank you for it. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, I'm not sure if I'll get any amens or old me's in here, but if you're anything like me, you've probably made a couple of resolutions in your lifetime around the new year. Is anybody like that? Does anybody in here want to raise a hand along with me and say you have broken at least one of them? Okay, so we've got five people telling the truth and the rest of y'all lying. I'll change the topic. Uh, no, that happens all the time. That's the way people are. It's the way, hey, listen. Now, you know, when God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden, they were, they were sinless, they were innocent, but from the moment they fell, from the moment they sinned and disobeyed God and trusted themselves more than they trusted God, they plunged all of humanity into sin, and every human being that walks the face of the planet is a sinner through and through and through. In fact, I was teaching the uh, youth guys today and I was telling them, listen, you know, we have enough things in our life to build up our self-esteem, but it would probably be good if every once in a while we looked at ourselves and said, you know what, we are sinners. We do fail. We come short of the glory of God. We treat people bad. We act wrong. We gossip. We lie. We do all kinds of things. And it is because we are these kind of people that are failures in which the gospel is great. That redemption has a lasting meaning because we are so sinful that we need God to send His Son to redeem us from our sin, to give us new life and new joy and new peace so that we can be the people that God created us to be. Every person in here, we all have these resolutions and yet most of the time we end up failing on them. But isn't it something that inside the human nature, all of us long for a fresh start? Every person in this room wants a fresh start. You might be in here today and you might be thinking, well, life's going pretty good for me, everything's going good, the family's good, and work is good and all of that, but there's either been a time in your past or there will come a time in your future where you'll be lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut and you'll feel like life is over and you wish that you could just use the eraser on the back of the pencil and wipe out a few things that you've said or wipe out a few places you've been or wipe out a few things that you've done and have a fresh start. That's why we like the new year. I want to say to all of you today that every single Sunday, did you all know that Sunday is the first day of the week and not the last one? Isn't that funny though? That's the way we live. We usually live as if Sunday is the last day of the week and then we get up on Monday and start again. But the truth of the matter is every single Sunday is the first day of the week and it is a moment in time in which you can have a new start through the Lord Jesus Christ. From these two verses, let me just make a few points for you today. Uh, you can jot them down or I'll give them to you on um, Facebook or the blog later this week. But let me just make a few points. I want to just kind of back our way into it. So from verse 34, 
34. Let me make three points for you today from verse 34. The first one is this. Don't live in the past. Learn from it. Don't live in the past. Learn from it. Now, I normally don't make arguments from silence, but when you read verse 34, there is a huge silent mark. There is something that is missing from verse 34. You see that the today is in the verse and tomorrow is in the verse, but what is not in verse number 34? Yesterday. What did the Apostle Paul say in the New Testament? Forgetting the things which are behind and pressing toward the prize of the upward calling of Christ Jesus that I may know Him I count. All things in my life as dung or as refuse that I may know Christ and the power of His resurrection. And most of us, we live in the past rather than just learning from it. And I want to say that the Bible says over and over again that we are to learn from the past. We are to remember the past that we might learn from it and use it and draw from it. But we are not to live in the glory days of the past. Bruce Springsteen is wrong when he speaks about glory days of playing baseball and turning young boys' heads and wanting to live back 20 years ago. What I want to tell you is that the glory days of your life are right now with Jesus in this moment. And so when you wake up tomorrow morning and you live your life, I don't care what job you go to or what you do or where you're at with your family or what kind of sickness you have, this is the day that the Lord has made and we should rejoice and be glad in it. We don't live in the past, we learn from it. There are so many people, lost people, saved people. Do you know that there are church people that live in the past? Leonard Ravenhill said the seven last words of the church are, we ain't ever done it that way before. For all my English teachers, I am aware that ain't is not a word, okay? Take it up with Lennon Ravenhill. I didn't say it, he did. I can't tell you how many church people sometimes they have say, well, this is all back in this, and this is how it used to be, and all things were wonderful then. Well, listen, learn from it, love it, enjoy it, uh, resonate in it, but don't live in the past for heaven's sake. You live now. Don't waste your life. Don't think that your life is gone. There are some people in this church, listen now, we are raising up a generation of young families and young couples and our young adults and our youth that are going to take over the ministry here and you want them to be involved and you want them to do the work. And I know that when you get to another season of your life, you think, I cannot do all of the physical effort that I used to do, but I want to say something to you. Don't live in the past. Learn from it. And live for God right now. You can pray. You can give. You can go. You can invite unbelievers to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't come to the end of your life having spent the last 20 years of your life longing for another day. Am I the only one in here that's ever seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite? I might be dating myself there a little bit. Right? I don't even remember what... I, uh, listen, it took me like three times to watch the movie before I got the humor, okay? But does anybody remember the crazy uncle that like throws the football out in the field? And all this dude can do is dream about when he was in high school about throwing the ball. And if he, would, if he would have just thrown it a couple of more times and that guy would have caught the touchdown, they would have been the state champs and he would have gone on to college. Let me tell you something. If you live in the past, you will count all of your regrets and all of your shame and you'll live in a moment of depression. Some things you have to let go of. Man, that would have been a good place to say amen. 
I don't know how many people live with regret and shame and heartache and pain of things they've done and things they've said and places they've been and they, they regret those things. And I'm telling you, you can't live back there. You've got to let that go and live in the moment with Jesus Christ and make Him the King of your life now and give all that you have now. Don't live in the past. Let me make a second point. Don't criticize the present. Live in it. You see what it says there? Don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough trouble as it has. Today has enough trouble for today. Don't criticize the present. Live in it. You uh, ask some of the deacons here. They, they all know how I am. First of all, i got a little bit of ADD, so sometimes in deacons meetings I, you know, I, I have trouble focusing. But we have a great time. They're strong. We, we pray together and love each other. But they know how I am. I have no problem looking realistically, setting it on the table and saying, okay, this is where we are, and this is where we are with this, and that's not going so well, and we've got to do some work there. But after a while, listen, anybody can complain. I want to be around people that have solutions. Thank God we got deacons in this church that sit around the table and they're realistic and they say, okay, here's an area of our church life that is, that is needing some help and here's how we're going to do it. And here's some solutions and I'm going to pitch in and help. Can I say to everybody in this room today, if you think that you have entered into a perfect church, you're at the wrong place, people. Yeah, we got holes. You don't, think things, you don't think things fall through the cracks? I know they do. Go find a church where they don't fall through the cracks. You're not going to find them. And if you find a perfect church, for heaven's sake, don't join it because you'll make it imperfect. <laughs> Baby, did that come out? Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, folks, you see these people in these pews? These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. They love you and you love them, at least you're supposed to. Take care of each other and pitch in. Don't criticize about, listen, when you come to church on Sundays, don't sit there with your arms, come, hmm, see who's here today and who ain't here today. Let's see what kind of songs they're going to sing today. Do I like it or not? But some people come to church and they have the attitude of, bless me if you can. <laughs> hey, hey. Don't criticize. Get involved. Don't criticize. Get involved. You know, in this coming year, uh, we're praying and seeking for God to give us uh, seven to ten new young families with children. You say, where is that going to come from? I don't have any idea, but God's going to do it. They say, well, did He give you everything that you wanted in 2015? No. But He's still God, and He's still good, and He brought us more people. And they got folks getting saved and getting baptized and getting right with the Lord and families being put together. Don't criticize. Jump in and get involved. You want me to tell you 15 or 20 places in the area of the church where you could get involved in hell? Come see me after the service. Don't criticize. Get involved in your church life. Let me tell you this. Don't criticize your wife. Get involved in loving her and caring for her. And take a break from developing your career to make sure that she loves you and you love her. Don't criticize your children. Get involved in their lives. Not just taking them to sporting events, but being with them. And go to the sporting events with them and, 
and be involved in their life and ask them questions when they come home from school. And I know, listen, I know what middle schoolers do. How'd school go? Mm. What'd you learn? Nothing. Was it fun? No. Just keep asking questions until they give you some answers. Keep loving. Keep being involved. Don't criticize where you are in the present. Be involved in them right in the presence of your life. You know what Jim Elliott said? One of the greatest missionaries of the 20th century. In fact, he had his life taken from him by the Aka Indians. He said, wherever you are, be all there. Isn't that a great statement? Wherever you are, be all there. You know, so many people live in the past or they long for the future, but they never take notice of where they are right now and say, whatever my circumstance of life, whatever's going on right here, right now, I'm going to live to the glory of God and I'm going to be active right where we are. I've told you all hear my story. I've been here so long now you hear all my stories. But listen, man, there's many, many times in my life where I've messed up and got it all wrong and, and I had to ask for forgiveness. You know, one time I think I got close to getting it right. Remember when I was in seminary, I was getting, uh, when I first went there, I had an opportunity. We had an opportunity to go to a church and we turned that down so we could be a part of a local church. And we started teaching the, uh, what was it, the Hornet class or Wasp class, Bee class, Bumblebee class, Butterfly class. But <laughs> Baby, I don't, the children were hornets. That's what I know, all right? <laughs> Connie and I taught this children's class, and they called, I don't know, a bumblebee or butterfly class, but they, they kind of acted like hornets. So, we th- listen, we taught that class and went to seminary and worked for the Texas Roadhouse. And uh, year after year, I can't tell you how many Mother's Days, I wasn't with Mom. Mom's be here today. And uh, making mashed potatoes and working there, I'm telling you, wouldn't trade not a moment of it. Because God had to teach me wherever I was to be all there. You want to preach? You want to be a pastor? You want to do all of this? Yes, Lord, that's where my heart is. Then do what I've called you to do right where you are right now. Now, Some of you are longing to be out of high school. Some of you are longing to go off to college. Some of you are longing for another career. Some of you are longing for another relationship. Instead of just being who God wants you to be in the present, you're criticizing where you are. Do you think, you know, when you criticize where you are in life, you're criticizing God. He is in ultimate control of where you are, and I know it's painful. I know there are problems, and I know there is suffering, and I know there is heartache. But God's there. And He'll meet you there. Don't criticize the present. Live in it. Let me make a third point from that. Don't fear the future. Believe in the God of it. Don't don't fear the future. Believe in the God of it. Everybody's so worried about what's going to happen. Listen, hey, brothers and sisters... Even if you're not a brother or sister, you, you say, I'm just here. I don't know who you are. Don't call me brother or sister. Look, I just say something to you. And I know there's times where I turn on CNN or turn on Fox News and you watch like five minutes of it and you just want to go outside and bury your head in the ground because the world seems so bad. Am I alone in that, right? I mean, there's murders everywhere, things going on in the night. I know the world is bad, but can I tell you something? God is in control of all of it. God has this. 
I don't want to slip into the world of platitudes, and I don't want to just say things that, that seem biblical but don't give any help in the moment, but I do think that even in the midst of our suffering, which should be real and raw, and it's okay to be scared about things, I want you to understand that at the end of the day, you have to back up in your own soul and say, the Bible teaches me that no matter what I'm going through, God is in control of the future. He knows. Isn't that the song we sang? He knows my name. He knows my tears. He knows when I call on Him. God knows. God, God knows. God knows what you want. God knows what you need. If you can't hold on to anything else, you hold on to that. You don't have to fear all of that out there. You just have to trust Him. I don't know what 2016 will bring you. You don't know what 2016 will bring me. But what I do know is that the Lord is in control of all things. And when I put my trust in Him, I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. You say, Steve, do you, do you just give it to God and you never have a worry? Man, if you think that, you're not the sharpest tool in the shed. I have fears and anxieties and worries every day of my life. And it is not just that I wake up in the morning and give, give, give it over to God. I give it over to God at 8 o'clock. Well, I'll see when I start. Anyway, multiple hours of the day. By the time 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning comes, man, sometimes I'm so gripped with anxiety and fear and wanting something so badly and I've got to just take a break for a minute and say, God, you're in control of this. Please remind my heart that you know everything. If you need to, go home and read the passage that we read through. What does God say? Use nature to help you. Look at the birds. God takes care of every bird in the world. Most of the people here know that I'm scared of birds. Have y'all ever been to the airport and had them fly down at you at the terminals? They do. They're in the terminals. Have you ever been on a mission trip with somebody named Rob DeFiore who slipped up behind you while you were sitting in a terminal and used his iPhone to make bird sounds behind your ear? I'm just saying. <laughs> Listen, man, I don't know if you can take it away from this year, but I just want you to understand that going forward in this year, you don't have to fear the future. God knows it. Believe in Him. What does He say? He says, I take care of the birds. What's He say? I take care of the lilies. I'll clothe you. Well, isn't that text odd? If you go back and read it, you'll almost think maybe Jesus is a little, uh, a little crazy, and I'm telling you something. Unless you understand that we must put our trust in Him, He will seem like that. He'll seem like a liar or a lunatic unless you believe him on Him as Lord. What does He say? He says, take no thought for what you'll eat, nor what you'll drink, nor what you'll put on your body. For heaven's sakes, if there's anything we should fear and have anxiety over, it should be what we put in our mouth and what we drink and what we put on and the shelter. Aren't those the things we should be worrying about? 
You would understand if I said, don't worry if your favorite ball team doesn't win the game. You'd say, sure, that doesn't matter all that much. But we should be worried over what we eat and drink and clothe ourselves. But Jesus comes to the table and He says, don't worry even over those basics of life because my Father has all of this in control. I'm telling you it's hard to trust the Lord at times. And all I'm saying to you is, when you go out of here today, don't you think that Pastor Steve said you can do it all in a moment. But I'm just asking you, won't you seek this year to trust Him just a little bit more? Day by day and with each passing moment, learn to trust Him, walk with Him, and believe Him for the future. Let me give you just a couple of points. We'll be finished for today. From verse number 33, look back at this verse. Probably, if you've not memorized this, you probably want to. If you don't have it highlighted in your Bible, you probably should. Jesus says, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let me give you three points. We'll be finished today. Here's the first point from verse number 33. This year in 2016, choose to pursue kingdom priorities. Kingdom priorities. His kingdom, not my kingdom. Now that's the problem, isn't it? Seek first His kingdom. The kingdom of God, not my kingdom. There are lots of things that I can do to build my kingdom, my world, my rule, what I want. But the Bible says, Jesus says, seek first His kingdom. Not so much what I want, but what He wants. So I'm giving you some guidelines for thinking about what you want to do in this new year and the way that you want to live your life. Make kingdom priorities out of your life. I was this earlier this week thinking about things that I want to do in my own life this year. I want to pursue holiness. I want to pursue holiness in my mind and in my heart and in my spirit and in my body. I've got a long way to go. I've got things that I need to do, but I want to pursue holiness and I want to encourage you that, that the Bible says here to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Make holy goals this year. Even if you're going to make some exercise goals or weight goals, I know those are common. Even if you're going to do that kind of thing, wrap all of that into the glory of God, making a kingdom pursuit. I don't want to lose weight just so that I can be on some kind of fireman calendar. Most of y'all are laughing. Oh my goodness. This man back here is laughing so hard. Really? Am I that bad? I don't, don't, you don't want to just lose weight to lose weight to look better. If you want to lose weight, you want to lose weight so that you can treat the temple of God better for the glory of God, that you might be used in the work of God. Is that not right? The goals that you make, that you pursue, help them to have kingdom priorities. Brothers and sisters, there are people all around us that are dying in their sins without Jesus and going out into a Christless eternity. And our hearts need to pursue kindness and grace and love and to esteem them higher and to bring them to Jesus. What did Jesus say? Go out into the highways and the hedges and find the people that are the most destitute and the most hurting and their hearts are broken. They don't look like you, act like you, smell like you, all of that kind of stuff. Find those people and bring them to Jesus. Kingdom priorities. I'll give you a second point. Make your walk match your talk. I hate to be use the colloquialisms there, but 
You understand what I say? You understand what I mean when I say that? Make your walk match your talk. I won't ask you to raise hands, but have any of you ever met that Christian that knows all the right things to say and lives a sorry life? There are people in this room today, all of us together, if you're real honest and search your heart, there are some areas of your life where you say all the right things, but you're not yielded to the Lord, and He's not the King of your life, and you're harboring sin in your own life, in your own heart. There are some people in this room who the great God of your life is security. You want your life just so. I remember when I was a kid, I used to go to my grandma Ferris's house, and you remember she'd have all the crystal? She'd have everything out, and I mean, as a child, listen, I am like a bull in a china closet as a 37-year-old man. You can only imagine what I was as a kid. You take Sammy Wester and, and put two bottles of five-hour energy drink in him, and I got him. I walked through that. Listen, and you know, some of us, our houses, you want your house just so you don't ever want anything touched or moved. And what if God wants to mess your house up a little bit? What if God wants to mess our house up here a little bit? We want to take care of it. We want to do right by it. What if God wants to bring another seven, ten families in here with little children that are running everywhere and it's part of your responsibility to teach them how to walk where they're going, but something gets knocked over, this or that. Listen, all that can be replaced, but the lives of men and women and boys and girls can't be. Let's let the walk of our life match the talk of our life. And let me just throw this at you. Grow your faith this year by seeing and hearing God. You notice in verse number 26 and verse 28 of this passage, what does Jesus do to illustrate the point of not to worry? He tells them, look. Look at the birds. Look at the lilies. What does the Apostle Paul say in the New Testament? Faith comes by what? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Let me just throw this out to you a little bit this year. As you start wrestling with this new year, this fresh start, hey, there's some of us in here and you, you, you might just need to close the door on 2015 and say, thank the Lord that's over. And you're going to make some new starts. I just want to encourage you to have those kingdom priorities, to put Christ first in your life, not to live in the past, but to learn from it and, and not to criticize the present, but to live in it and not to fear the future, but to believe the God of it. And when you make these goals, when you start to move into this new year, to trust Him and to walk with Him and to learn from Him by reading the Scriptures, by talking to Him and by viewing the creation that's around us, let your whole life be consumed with the Lord. Amen. I just want to throw these out here to you. Out of all the Bible, I'm just making an application. If you're a believer in here today, this year, what are you going to do with God's Word? Are you going to read it or look at it? Are you going to read it or just let it sit on a shelf? You don't have to read the whole thing in one day. You read a chapter a day. 
I saw a statistic that said you could read through the entire Bible in 10 minutes a day this year. Even if you don't get that, you know what you could do? As we pick up next week re, uh, preaching through Revelation, you could just read this week, Revelation 6, each day and come with questions and, and, and begin to read. You could take your Sunday school literature that you guys use and read the passages and follow along. Your Sunday school teachers would love it if you would do that. You could memorize some verse. Use the Word of God in your life this year. How are you going to grow in the Word of God and grow your faith? You know one thing we are going to grow in this year in this church? Prayer. Brothers and sisters, we got plans and programs coming out our ears. But all of that is good. But it won't be used unless we call on God from heaven to help us with our families, with our own lives. And we're going to come together in unity as a church. And we're going to follow Him and seek great things from Him for our lives and for the lost. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? In just a moment, we'll sing a song together. But I, I just want to say, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, yeah, I've been kind of talking to our church today, and we're getting ready for a year. We love people. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I just want you to know something. You found a bunch of people that got a lot of problems, but we found Jesus is the solution to everything, and we're learning how to live with Him. He has forgiven us of our sins. He has washed us and made us clean. And we are giving our lives over to Him. We wish that you would too. If you don't know Jesus and you're sincere and humble and honest in your heart and you want to receive Him, in your own words, right where you are, just ask Him to save you. Tell Him that you give up, that you don't want to be the king of your life, and you ask Him to save you. And you commit to following Him all the days of your life. And we'll walk with you, we'll help you, we'll disciple you. That's what we do here. But only Jesus can save. You have to lay down your sin and come to Him. And to all my believers, all of our church here today, come on, you know, I know, there's areas of our life where we need to trust Him. Some of you are hurting. Some of you are tired. Some of you have staggered into the new year and haven't even got your feet on the ground yet. Just give it over to Him. Pray to Him. I'm not telling you it's going to be made perfect in a moment, but He loves you and He cares for you. You can talk with Him right now. And this week, this year, use the Word of God and use prayer to draw closer to Him. Would you stand with us and sing this song together?